the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. All right. Well, it's so good to be with you again, and I'm so excited to be able to share God's Word with you, and I trust it's a real blessing as I was going through this material for me. Now, if you're like me, I really enjoy Christmas. I don't know, maybe growing up we had a good experience at Christmas time, but it wasn't until I came to know Christ as my Savior that I really, really knew what Christmas was all about. Now, I came from an, a culture, you might say, a Christian culture, that we really did celebrate the birth of Christ. But it seemed like we put more emphasis on the birth of Christ rather than the birth of Christ. Do you all know what I'm trying to say? And sometimes we celebrate the event rather than the person of the event. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. You know, some people, they like to have a birthday party, so we celebrate the party. But sometimes lost in the mix of all of that is the person about whom we're having this party. And I want to make sure that even here at our church that we do celebrate the birth of Christ. And so we emphasize Jesus Christ. You know, he came to give us life, and that's what we're going to be sharing with you from time to time, that that life he came to give to us is eternal life found in Christ by faith alone. So we can know that our sins are forgiven, that we're going to be living forever, and when we die, we'll spend eternity with him. But he also came to give us more than just life. He also came to give us life more abundantly. In other words, how that we can have a wonderful, wonderfully fulfilled life here on this earth. And that's why we're even in the series now on character building. While we might be talking about some of the character of Christ, it's really the character of Christ that we're going to be talking about. And that's why we celebrate the birth of Christ. It's Christ coming to this earth and that now when we trust Christ as Savior, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we're partaker of his divine nature. And so character is really the characteristics of Christ or Christ likeness. And it's so important today. I think all of us, if we're really open and honest, we can admit that character is not taught like it really could be and should be taught today that people today have less and less character than they've had before and how important it is for us to have character and it's because of that and the holy spirit leading me that i wanted to launch into a longer series called the abc's of character building and to do this i thought it might be good for us to select a character trait that's found in the life of christ that he demonstrates in scripture and that we now can embrace into our own life so that we can have that character as well and that's why it's so important you know if you look at character there are people that had character i'm thinking of probably one of the greatest presidents that we've ever had and that would be abraham lincoln and probably what made him so great was not only his pithy statements about leadership and character but he also led our country during the worst possible time in the history of our country now i know that our president-elect is going to inherit an incredible challenge ahead of him 
And we can try to dissect that and analyze that all that we want, but I think all of us could admit that this country is in no way the same condition that it was in when Abraham Lincoln was president. And let me read to you what he had to say about character. For I really believe that if we grab a hold of this concept that we'll see the importance of it. It goes like this. Character is like a tree and reputation like its shadow. The shadow is what we think of it, the tree. The tree, though, is the real thing. And then he made that very famous statement when he said this. I desire so to conduct the affairs of this administration that if at the end, when I come to lay down the reins of power as president and I have lost every other friend on earth that I have, I shall have at least one friend left. And that friend shall be down inside of me. And I would hope that maybe, though we'll never be president with so much conflict in our life, but those of you that do have a life, that you could say that at the end of your life, maybe even at the end of your day, when you lay your head on your pillow, and you might think that you're all alone, that you still have a friend inside of you, a friend that you have never, never compromised. And that friend is the true character that's Christ that's inside of you. Now, let me continue to remind you, and I'll do this nearly every message, and that is what makes Christian character so different than all the character-building um, programs that they do in the public schools and on the, uh, in the world of work. The difference is, is that most of those character traits are going to be man-made, man-driven, and generally with man at the center of it. But for a Christian, Christian, Christ-like character traits, we find that it's not man at the center. It's found Jesus Christ is at the center of all of this. Secondly, we know that in the secular world, they're going to tell you that whatever you can conceive in your mind about character and you're taught properly, you can achieve that. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. We know as Christians, though, that if we want to embrace the character of Christ, then the person of Christ who lives inside of us has all the character necessary, along with it, all the power that we need to live that character out. So that means that whatever character trait that we choose to study, if it's biblical and we teach it in a biblical way about Christ, it is achievable in our life because it's Christ living that exchange life out through us. Now, as I looked over all the different traits that there would be, some would say there's 49 different character traits, some say there's more, some say that there's less. I have to tell you that I've prayed, I've asked some of my uh, closest friends, not all of them, but to give me their opinion of what they thought would be some character traits we could open up and unpack in Scripture. And so the first one that comes to us is the one that's on availability. And you can see that up on the screen, the one on availability. It was interesting because I had prepared this message usually a month ahead of time, and I'm honing it and sharpening it and getting it ready to deliver it. And it was last Sunday that I was ready to give this message on availability, and I couldn't do it because of the illness. And so when I called, I, I called John Deacle to step in and speak for me in the morning. It was interesting. I said, John, guess what? You get a chance to be an example of the very sermon that I'll be preaching next week, which is on availability. Because he stepped in and said, I'm able, I can preach, and I'm available. I am here, and I'm willing to do that if you'd like me to do that. And so we launched him into that. Now, for just a moment, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting, though, if he was willing to preach, but he had no ability, no biblical content, and he didn't know how to communicate it well, but he was willing to do it. 
And there are people that are willing to do almost anything, but when you actually put them in that position, they crumble quickly because they've oversold themselves to you on their ability. Then you have a lot of people that God has blessed with a tremendous amount of ability, an ability in the area that they can actually do it. The problem is that they have something inside of them that is not surrendering their availness of it, to be available to do that. And so you really need to have both together. You do need to have a degree of ability, and you do need to have availability so that they both go together. As I thought about that, I thought about how many times all of us, at times, we would come across uh, an object, maybe in our home, that's held together by screws. And we've noticed that as we opened it or we'd rattle it, that the screw was loose. And so you want to tighten that screw. But if you're a lot like me, we generally don't go to the garage. We don't go into our, our, our uh, toolbox, do we? What we generally do is we try to tighten that screw ourselves. How many of you have done that? You tried to twist it and you realize, okay, I can't get a good grasp on it. So what's the next object that you use in order to tighten that screw, everyone? Usually your fingernail, mostly, if you have a fingernail. Now, some of you don't. You have daggers. Others of you have little nubby things. But you try to use your fingernail. Now, once that doesn't work or you can only get it so far, often, if you should have this available, what do you think would be the next thing you would grab? If you're like me, you generally carry a bunch of keys with you. So you think, well, maybe there's a key. If I turn it just sideways, I can get this thing tightened just the way that I'd like. And if you don't have that and the garage is too far, you... You either go to the kitchen and you grab a butter knife, don't you? And you kind of twist that. How many of you have dented and twisted butter knives because you've used them as screwdrivers? Don't raise your hand. You know exactly what I'm saying. Well, it is true that we do need to be available to the Lord. But what God wants us to do is to have it properly balanced between ability and availability. So to help you along, what I did is I wanted to go through a study of the definitions of avail or availability for you. And so I went into the man's dictionary called Funk and Wagnall Standard Dex, Dex, Desk Dictionary. And here's what it had. It had two words. One is the word avail, and it means to assist or to aid. And it also meant to be of value. I thought that was interesting. Listen very carefully. If you don't have ability and you're called upon to do something, there's very little value because you won't accomplish the task that needs to be done. On the other hand, if you've got great ability but you don't avail yourself of that ability, then again, you're not very valuable to the person. What makes you of value is when you have the ability and you're willing to use that ability to accomplish something that God would have you to do. So there's value in that. So that's a pretty good explanation of avail. Then he went on to say, availability is the capableness of being used, and I like this, what we said just a moment ago, being at hand. <clears throat> now here, I love living in the islands. I love that when I come up to the front door and I either get into our house or before I get into our house, I take off my slippers, right? I take off my shoes and I could walk around barefoot. I just love, you know, just not having shoes on. In fact, the only time I dress up is on Sunday is because I wear socks, okay? But on the mainland, though, we often wear shoes in the house. How many of you guys have been out there and your wife asked you to hang a picture and so you're there and you get it ready and you get that little nail and you put it up against the wall and now you're ready and you just work so hard to get it perfectly balanced in the center of the wall and then you forgot your hammer. So what do you do when you forget your hammer? You use what is at hand. And so what do you generally grab? You'll grab your shoe and take that thing off and you'll start hitting that nail, trying to get it in the wall at least tight enough until you can maybe get a, hanger, uh, a hammer to get this job done. 
So again, availability means to be used, but also to be at hand. You have to be exposed. You have to be there. You have to be in shot, so to speak, of being used. Now, the Greek has an interesting word. It's the word eskuo, and it just simply means able. I like this, can do. Are you a can-do kind of person? Do good, might, be of strength. And the last one I thought was kind of interesting. It also said much work. It probably implies that if you're available, you're going to be used a lot because you're the one that could be counted upon. On the other side, you might be just kind of brushed off and put off to the side because you just don't work very hard and so you're not going to be used. And I would like to say this in the most tenderness that I can give to you. Some of you might even feel a little bit marginalized around here that you're not being used very much and you wish you could be used more. Maybe you're waiting for the phone call. Maybe that's the style that you think will get you activated is you won't work unless you're called. And yet there are a lot of others that are lining up to be used. I don't know. But I do know this, that availability involves being in the way so the Lord can use you so that you're right there and stepping up, being at hand. Well, I'd like to submit to you a definition that you might want to teach to your kids and feel free to tweak it that fits best for you according to Scripture and your understanding of availability. The character of Christ. We're celebrating the birth of Christ. And when we say that, the birth of availability in human form. All right, so let's look at it. It's having the ability and willingness. Notice the two go together. So there is a degree of learning how to do things. The more you know, the more usable you'll be. And then it also says, and willingness. You can have all the ability, but if you're not willing, then you're going to rust out and you won't be used. So it's having the ability and the willingness to do something good. In other words, you're choo choosing. You might have the ability and the availability, but you want to do something that's going to advance the kingdom, add value to another person. You want to do something that's good. And then it ends by saying, by accepting and fulfilling a responsibility. Now that right there is a sermon. You can have the ability, you can have the willingness, and you can accept a responsibility. But how many people do you know that will accept a responsibility, but then will not fulfill it, will not bring it to its conclusion? I am so glad that when I've had surgery, and I hadn't had much surgery, but when I've had surgery, I didn't have a doctor that had the ability, had the willingness, at the same time accepted me as the patient, and then halfway through the surgery decided to say, you know what, I don't really like doing this any longer. I've got other things I'd rather be doing, and walk away and leave me wide open in all my glory on the table. I'm glad I didn't have a doctor like that. I'm glad you didn't have one like that either. Well, let's answer the next question. How is availability illustrated in the life of Christ, since it is about Christ now? It's good for us to see a little bit of visual. Now, while you won't see the word avail or availability as clearly in this passage, those of you that understand the definition of it now, the ability and willingness to do something good by accepting and fulfilling a responsibility, you will see it in this illustration in the life of Christ. So let's begin looking at it. One of my more favorite passages of Scripture that speaks on leadership, servanthood, the life of Christ, you know, compassion with its working clothes on, etc. It begins by saying, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. You might want to circle that word servant there. And that basically means just someone who is to do the job, almost like a slave. A little different than the other word slave. I'll explain that in the Greek. But this means someone who has to do it, whether you like to do it or not. Be it available, you don't have a choice. You've got to do that. Now let me pause for just a moment. <clears throat> There's a difference when you are on your job... 
than when you're a volunteer. When you're on your job, you are paid to do a certain job. And generally, it's a whole litany of things that you're called to do. That's your job. You're paid to do that. Now, I know that sometimes you could be asked to do things that are outside your job description. I'm not talking about illegal or unethical things, but I'm talking about things that you think are a little bit beyond what you're told what your job description would be. But you need to do that. So your availability is tied to the fact that you've chosen to be employed. You've chosen to do that. It's not a volunteer. You've signed up for that. All right. Now, you have the second list over here, which is called a volunteer. Here, you kind of sign up to do it, but you don't have the same hammer over you. You don't get paid. You don't have the need for advancement. You don't have to be penalized in any way. In fact, you're just a volunteer. So you can start and you can end when you'd like. And so I'm finding that a lot of people are not even volunteering much any longer because they know once they start, they need to complete, so they don't want to complete, so the best thing to do is don't start. In order not to start, don't volunteer. And so they don't become quite as available. Or they become incredibly picky about what they are to do. Then you got the people over here that have the job that they're really called to do. Well, over here, this word that talks about a servant is in the more of a, of, a, of, an, of, a, of a word context that actually means that you're to do it whether you like to do it or not. You're to be available whether you want to do it or not. You are a slave. We call that the duty part of it. Now, for some of us that are in Christian work, I don't want us to look at merely serving the Lord as a volunteer, as a do-do-do-do. But on the other hand, we might not look at it as, am I doing it for the church? Am I doing it for the guy who asked me? Am I doing it for the people who see me? I'm doing it for God. So then, sometimes when we do it for the Lord, it is a duty. We're to do it whether we feel like it. We're to do it whether we don't feel like it. We're to do it until we do feel like it because we made a covenant to the Lord that we would assume that job and we would take it to, to its conclusion. All right, that's the duty part. Now, let's go on in the verse. It goes on to say this, And who desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Now that kind of throws you for a loop because you're with the word slave and you think, well, that must mean duty. Actually, in the Greek, it's more of a bond slave. It's a different kind of a person, different kind of a word there. And that generally means that you are choosing to put yourself under a master. It's almost like you're now volunteering for that role. Now, the key thing is that once you volunteer in the Old Testament as a bond slave, they took your ear... They put it up against the doorpost and then they drove a hole through this ear so that you and everyone else could see that you have chosen based on your love and respect for your master who has set you free that you've chosen to voluntarily put yourself underneath this guy or gal and become their slave. And so it's now not out of duty as much as it is out of you chose. You had your freedom, you could go, but by desire. So the second word is desire. First word, duty. Second word, desire. Both of them available. The neat thing is, is availability over here. You kind of have to do that. And some of you have to do that at work, and I know, and I hope that you are stepping up cheerfully to do that. But on the other hand, those of you that are in a volunteer situation, that you then would step up and say, you know what, I don't have to do this, but I want to be available because I want to do it. And we're not doing it for the person. We're doing it for the kingdom and the glory of God. Let me continue reading here. It goes on to say, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So there's our model. Christ came to serve others. Now if you would look up here for just a second. We know because of human behavior specialists that will tell you that we have people that are outgoing. We have people that are, are passive. You have people that are task-oriented. Then you have people that are kind of people-oriented. There are those that like to work on a task. 
And so they'll only volunteer for work that will work on a task, and they get so task-oriented. Then you have those that like to help out other people as long as there isn't tasks involved in it. And while we might be wired that way, we'll generally roll in those directions under pressure and stress and opportunities, we know that Jesus was both task and people. Jesus was both outgoing and passive. And so if Christ lives within us, no matter what our personality is, when there is a, here's a word, need is presented to us, we don't draw merely from our personality style. We draw from the personality of Christ who now lives within us, and we can make ourselves available. True, it might stretch us if we're more people and we're asked to do more tasks, or we're asked to do more people and we're more task-oriented, back and forth. But we can do it because our availability and ability to be available is found in the person of Christ. And that's why we can look to him as our model. Let's look at the second thing the Lord taught us by his example there. It says the Lord demonstrated his availability to serve other people because every task is connected to a person. Whatever you do, that task, someone is involved in it somewhere in this chain. And so now he says, I'm going to demonstrate that availability to others. So it says, now as they went out of Jericho, and by the way, let me pause for a moment. Who went out of Jericho? Those that just heard Jesus teach them the principle of availability, being a servant, duty and desire. So now the Lord sovereignly walks out of Jericho, sovereignly has a group of people follow him, a large group, sovereignly walks by two blind guys so he now can show a real-life illustration of what availability is all about in servanthood. And so it says, the multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men sitting by the road. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Let's pause for just a moment. Now, it's interesting that the Lord chose to use this particular example to illustrate availability. Now, again, I know some of you are saying, well, that's really an illustration of servanthood. It's really an illustration of leadership. And I'm not going to argue with you on that. In fact, I'll even agree with you. But I'd like to tell you that all good leaders are available servants. And all good servants are going to be available leaders and availability is in all of that. And it's a sacrifice. So now Jesus does this. Now for a moment, he could have done a lot of different illustrations because he's sovereign. But he placed those two guys at that time in his path. And let's look at those two guys. These two guys could give absolutely nothing back to Jesus. They, could, he could, they couldn't feed Jesus. They couldn't give Jesus a tip. They couldn't do anything. In fact, they were blind. And today's blind people generally have a cane. They have people to help them. There's a lot of different situations where people are out there to give them aid. But back in the Bible days, blind people were like the, the refuse of society. These are guys that had to eke out their own living. However, they could do it blindly, scrapping. They were filthy. Their nails were long. Their hair was matted. There was bugs all over these people. They stunk to high heaven. And they were out there and they were blind. So here's Jesus giving an example of availability to people who could not give something back to him. Now pause for a moment. Some of us will, will rise to the need of availability, which is good, when we know that something can come back to us. In other words, we strategize our life on availability on what we can do to get. Now we're watching a politician in Illinois trying to navigate through all of his problems and some of that's wrapped up in it, perhaps. Now back to this. Now these guys couldn't give anything back to the Lord. And that means there could be many people 
that are going to have genuine needs in your life and that cannot give back to you. Now, why I like this so much is for this reason. Now, listen carefully. Listen. There will be people that will ask you to do something for you that can give something back to you, such as a thank you note, an appreciation. You scratch their back, they'll scratch your back later on. And now what the Lord is teaching us is still, even when you do something for someone else that could do something back to you, don't look to them to give back to you. You just give it to them and let it go. Just like these blind men who could not give something back to him. All right, now let's go back to this. So here they are blind. The other people are saying, don't bother with this person. I believe fully that Jesus was a busy man. I believe he, was, he had a task. He had things he had to do just like you and me. Probably had a schedule. He's already come off a busy day the day before. He's got a place to go. He's coming out. He's got not much time left, you know, all of that. And these two guys are going to bog him down for that moment right there. Now here's my lesson out of that. All of you who are going to somewhat be successful in life, you're not going to sit around with nothing to do. Most of you have an ability to set out your day. You have a to-do list. You have a calendar. You have a PDA. You've got something going on that you are smart enough to set goals of things you want to accomplish. And that's good. But there's always going to be in our life, maybe not every day, perhaps we can thank the Lord for that, a divine interruption where that our availability will be tested to see how available we'll be as we compare it against what we've already got scheduled, which we've already promised to be available maybe to someone else. So now we've got a double tension going on. And that perhaps could be with Jesus. But now notice what he did. I thought this was interesting, and I put it in bold here. Look what he did here. So they said, have mercy on us. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.